It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. You know, that's what Advent is about, really. It's not about uh, all the junkola that comes with Christmas these days. It's about Jesus. It's what Advent is. And that, that song, it seems to me to um, symbolize some, some of what I hope we experience in Advent. The embrace of the Almighty. Have you ever needed a big hug? Oh, come on. Some of you guys think you're too big for yourself. Come on. Some of you macho men, you just need a big hug. I love nothing more than just grabbing men that don't expect it. Give them a big hug and say, I love you, buddy. Should have seen those prisoners in Africa when I knocked all those chiefs, 10 chiefs, down on the floor of the prison, picked them back up and hugged them all. You'd have thought they'd have shot me. But, you know, they, they saw the love of God in my face, in my heart. The embrace of God is so important. And that's what Advent is. Um, now, uh, let's, let's get to the word. How am I doing? 11.35. You know, uh, somebody gave me something uh, at, our, at our dinner, the board dinner. You know, I have a timer. And uh, he, he, well, actually, he thought he could, in, he could improve on what he and I have been doing. Because I don't always see the flashlight that he has out. So when I only have five minutes left, he's going to put this one up. <laughs> and, and when I have ten minutes, he's, he's going to put this one up. It's blue. <laughs> little kinder color. And then, and then when my time's up, I get this. <laughs> so it, would one of you guys just take that back to, you'll see the guy back there in the red plaid shirt. Kevin's back there. So Kevin will help us. And... Uh, Oh, you know, uh, I got to admit to you, uh, I retired in 2018, the first of 2018, should say the last of 2017, and uh, I immediately began preaching in churches, and what I've discovered is I, I love preaching the Word of God. Um, you know, the Lord gives spiritual gifts, and I, I don't... There are a lot of better preachers out there than me. What I'm saying is I love to preach. Whether it's good or bad, I can't help it, but I love to preach. Because <laughs> it's, it's food. It's spiritual food. It's when you read the Word of God and then you talk about the Word of God, I don't care how bad you are, God's going to use His Word. It's not going to return to Him void. Now, that's no excuse for poor preaching, <laughs> but, but on the other hand, it's, I've taught my staff over the years as I've shared preaching assignments with them, you know, all you're doing when you're preaching is you're giving your little morsels to God. That's all you're doing. Don't get a big head. 
just realize, be a humble servant and realize God will use you if you just humble yourself and just teach the word. And he'll do the rest. He's the one that does the real work. But then we get to be used. And I can't tell you how humbled I am and what a joy it is to share the word of God with you. It's a very humbling experience. And I love, I love your heart for me in preaching. It means more than I can say. Now let's get, let's get to the word. Uh, uh, let me just do a quick recap. Can I do that, guys? Put something on the screen for us. And, and so we're going to see a quick recap here. So last Sunday, this is kind of what we did. Uh, we, we talked about the whole book of Revelation because the easy thing to do in Revelation is get so caught up in the little minutiae stuff, you get confused, it gets overwhelming. Don't go there. Just keep your eyes on the three primary purposes or messages. We got a primary message, and that is that Jesus wins. We have a primary target, the church. It's to us. It's to you. If you're a believer, this book is for you. And then we have a primary purpose, and that is to encourage us and to warn us not to slip away in the last days because the scripture says it's going to get so bad, even some of the elect will fall. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Guys, the next page tells us this. Next page, guys. There, thank you. The underlying theme then is that Jesus is coming. That's Advent. And we're going to see that over and over. And last week, in case you weren't here, we said, okay, here it is in verses 1 through 8. Verse 1, it is soon to take place. Verse 3, the time is near. Verse 4, who is to come? Verse 7, look, he is coming. Verse 8, who is to come? Do you get the idea that Jesus is going to come? Yeah. Now, did he come when you thought he would? No. But he's coming. And the reality is he's warned us that people are going to go to sleep because they're going to think he's not coming. And bam, that's when, as in the days of Noah, he says, you'll be going about life, doing your thing, shopping, driving, getting gas. Bam, here he comes. So keep your eyes, be ready, the scripture says. Now this morning, we'll read those same eight verses that we did last week. So let's stand for the reading of the word of God. Chapter one of Revelation and, uh, and starting with verse one. Now this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him. Him, I'm breaking this down now, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Now remember, can, can I just stop and say, for God, a thousand days is but a, a years is about a day, right? So you understand, our time is not like time, God's time. We think of time, God is outside of time and space. You can't put him there. But he puts us there. So we have a beginning and end. He has neither. He's eternal. So he says, which will soon take place. Now he made this known by sending an angel, his angel, to his servant, John, who now testifies to everything he saw. So John's on the witness stand. And that is... The word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's what he's testifying to. This, the word of God and the testimony of the person, the nature, and the work of God's own son. That's what John is, he's on the, he's on the, on the witness stand. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth about Jesus Christ. This is what I saw. So we're reading what, what he saw. 
Blessed is the one now who reads these words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. There it is again. The time is near. But he's made a promise here for all those who read this word will be blessed. And I'm considering that when we get through at the end of this month, there's going to be a blessing upon the church that none of us expected. We're going to see it, feel it, know it, and experience it. Now, that's not a prophetic word. I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. I'm just saying that's the word of God right here. Amen? So I'm just taking it by faith. Now, John, he's writing to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And has made us to be a kingdom and priests. To serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Ah, look, he's coming in the clouds. And every eye will see him and even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. For I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light of my path, Lord. It's because thy word that I've hid in my heart. I know not to sin against thee. Lord, now bless the reading of your word, but bless now the message. Hide the messenger behind the cross that we would see the Jesus and Jesus only. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, um, what John is finding out is in his vision, I think, to put it very simply, is this. He's finding out that it's all about Jesus. Can I get an amen? It's all about Jesus. Yeah, I've been in the church all my life. I've seen a lot of stuff go down. I've seen a lot of stuff that, well, in the church, I'm going, ah, I don't know about that. Um, I'm not sure that's about Jesus. Sometimes I think we could operate the church just fine without Jesus and be the same, some churches. But John's getting, he's getting shook up. He's, 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 getting, he's getting a message that says, listen, when everything's said and done, when all the smoke is, is cleared, you got, there's only going to be one thing standing, and that's going to be the Son of God. It's all about Jesus. Our church, this, this church, uh, the Nazarene denomination, let's go there. The Nazarene denomination, it's not about a doctrine. Well, some like to think it is. I know some people that think the Nazarene denomination is about their style of music. It's not. If you don't believe me, just travel the world, and, and, and you'll see that uh, there's all different kinds of styles and methodologies. I've watched women, grown women, DS's wives, bottom bump when they sing and praise God in Africa. And I was an absolute shock. I was out of my culture and out of my comfort zone. 
But they were praising the Lord. You know why? Because it was all about Jesus. It wasn't about a methodology. I think some people think Christianity is about a methodology. It's not. Some think it's about a doctrine or doctrines. It's not. We have doctrines, yes. We had methodology, yes. But it's not about that. We have programs, yes. We have buildings, yes. But it's not about that. It's about Jesus. And John's getting a rude awakening in this vision that it's all about Jesus. And, and I think our world, of, of course, has forgotten that. I mean, when it comes to Christmas and Advent, uh, they don't have a clue it's about Jesus. They think it's about Christmas trees and tinsel and gifts and who knows what. And many don't even know that Jesus exists. And they got a tree in their living room and gifts under the tree. And they don't know that it's not about that. It's not about the lights, the tinsel, the wreaths. It's about the person and the work and the nature of Christ in our lives, in our world. Now, I want to go through this quickly, so you'll want to follow me. In chapter 1, as we just read, there's five declarations I want you to see. And every one of them point out that Jesus, it's all about, there's something about Jesus. That's why we sing these songs we do, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Yeah, there is no other name than Jesus. There's no higher name. There's no greater name than Jesus. So look at these with me, would you? The first one I see, um, all of them are listed in five and six. Look at the first one. It says, he is the faithful witness. So that's the first declaration. He's the faith. So when Jesus takes the stand, I swear to the trial, the truth, the whole truth, none but the truth, so help me God. When Jesus takes us, he is the faithful witness. You can count on what he says. That's what we look for in the courts, do we not? We look for someone who's going to tell us the truth. No wonder why Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So we can depend upon what Jesus says because of who he is. He is God's faithful witness and he has overcome. You know, um, in chapter 18 of John's gospel, verse 28, uh, Jesus was taken to Pilate, the Roman governor. In fact, I'm just going to go there real quick. I, chapter, chapter 18 of John's gospel. And, and I'm going to go to verse 28, if you have your Bibles. You'll see the Jews are leading Jesus from Caiaphas now to the Roman governor, Pilate. Pilate comes out and goes, what's going on? And, and they're going, well, we got this Jesus and we think he needs to be disciplined. And, and Pilate has some problems with that. But in verse 33, Pilate goes, okay, bring him in. So he summons Jesus in and he asks Jesus, who are you? Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked? Or did others talk to you about me? <laughs> Somebody's been talking about Jesus. Well, verse 35, am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priest who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus said, well, my kingdom, it's not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from, my kingdom is from another place. Pilate says, oh. You are a king then. Jesus answers, 
you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate, of course, asks that infamous question, what is truth? Jesus is the true witness. He stands before Pilate and he says, I'm the true witness. I'm that one. Listen, when you go through the Bible, Paul tells the church in Philippi, he was obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given the name that is above every name, whereby every knee shall bow under heaven, in the earth, and under heaven, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He says to the church in, in, in Colossae, Jesus the Christ, he's the exact image of God before us. He is the perfect image. He is the supreme, he is supreme overall. He is the perfect testimony. He is the true witness. So you see that in verse 5. He's the faithful witness. He is the truth. Then secondly in verse 5 it says, he's the firstborn from the dead. Now, what does that mean? He's the firstborn from the dead. Jesus died. We know that. He was there for three days. But on the third day, he rose again. God raised Jesus from the dead. Amen? Amen. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, it, it, it proves to us that, well, it, it first means that to be raised from the dead, um, he is, he's the first one to be raised from the dead who will never die again. So, he will never die again. Jesus will. He died once, but he's not going to die again. That's what the first thing it means. Secondly, it means, means, secondly, means everyone who has died, either before or after, he is the most important of all. It doesn't matter who's died. Now, stop for a moment. Think of about all the people in our world that we, we know have died, that we hold in high esteem. Uh, a lot of people hold uh, Martin Luther Jr. King in high esteem. All right, he's a pretty big dude. Whether you like him or not, doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty big name, Martin Luther Jr. King. But uh, he's not bigger than Jesus. Mohammed, Mohammed's a pretty big name. By the way, when I read this passage, it reminded me of what we said about Mohammed. And, uh, and, and it reminded me of what... Uh, we, we talked a few weeks about Islam. The God there does not love. Our God is full of love. And here it is in this passage, big time. <laughs> Jesus being the firstborn from the dead. He is the first in rank over anyone that's died. Uh, how, about, uh, how about the song someone wrote back in the, was it the 70s? Anybody here ever seen Martin Luther John? Can you tell me where he's gone? I've seen a lot of people, but it seems like the good, they always die young. Remember that one? Well, those are all big names. But, but, but what, what John is saying is he is the first in rank of all those who are dead, of all those who are ever going to be raised from the dead. He is the supreme. He's over all. He's in all. He's superior. He's preeminent. What other adjectives do we need? There's none like Jesus. He's the son of God. The third thing it says is he's the princess 
of the ruler of the kings of the earth. Verse 5. He's the prince or the, the ruler of all the kings of the earth. In other words, he's, he alone has been given the, the seat of sovereignty. Um, I'm tempted to repeat it, and I won't, but I love that joke. I got to tell you about the three animals that died and stood before you know, Jesus, and Jesus said, why should I let you into my heaven? And you know, it was the cat out of the two dogs, the cat who said, you're sitting in my chair. <laughs> no, I said I wouldn't tell it, and I really didn't, but I kind of threw it out there. You know, but but the, the reality is, there is nobody that's going to sit in Jesus' seat. There is no seat for them, I'm sorry. There's only one seat. Because he's the supreme. He is the ruler of all the kings of the earth. And he alone has been given the seat of, of sovereignty to rule the the universe. So now he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Amen? That's where Jesus is. He's sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. So I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, uh, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. Amen? But on the third day, he rose again. And he sits at, he sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's the Apostles' Creed. That's our faith. And it comes right out of this scripture. He, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. You know, in, in uh, John, in chapter 19, verse 11, there's just got to look at this real quick. It's pretty cool. Turn your Bibles there if you got them. Uh, chapter 19, verse 11. John, in part of his vision now, he, he, he sees heaven standing open, wide open. Now, can you imagine that? He sees heaven. It's wide open. And there, there all of a sudden before him, it's a white horse. And the rider has a name. And the name is, here it comes, Faithful and true. There he is. He's faithful. Listen, if Jesus had not been faithful on the cross, we'd all be dead in our sins. Woo-hoo. It's because of Jesus we can claim to be without sin because his blood covers our sin. And when the Father looks at us, it's as though we never sinned. Woohoo! Hallelujah! I could become a charismatic right now. The Lord Jesus. His blood covers him. So his faithful and truth. With justice he, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dripped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. Capital W, capital G, Word of God. The armies of the heaven were following him, riding on the horses. Think of this. The armies of heaven are following him. He's dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword, which was to strike down the nations. Here comes our last day stuff. He's going to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. Where is it written? On his robe and on his thigh. Point to your thigh. Here it is. King of kings. Lord of lords. Try trumping that. You won't. Well, I got to keep going. Now, 
The last phrase of verse 5. He has redeemed us or freed us from our own sins by his own blood. Now, now notice that that phrase, did, you got it there in your Bible? That phrase includes a, 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 this, this proclamation that he loves us. You know, I've met a lot of Christians over the years who, um, quite a few that, that feel like they're not good enough for God to love them. Anybody want to testify? Come on now. Huh? Yeah. I, I know God can love you and love you, but me? I don't think so. You don't know me. Look, God's love is bigger than you ever were. And, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you more or love you less. You can't go out and do a bunch of stuff and God love you any less. No, God loves you, period. That's it. End of story. That's what we call his agape love. He loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. I'll take that kind of love any day. Amen? So he loves you. You see that in verse 5. And by the way, the love, that word love, it's in what we call the, the let me do it this way. See how, like, present tense. Now, in the original language, the present tense is very important because the one word in one moment, it expresses the past. I should do it this way. The past, the present, the future. It has it all covered, what we call the aorist tense. It's the past, the present, and the future. When it says he loves us, what it means is he's always loved us. He loves us now, and he always will. Ain't nothing you can do about his love. It's just going to be there. Now, I love this about the gospel. Because the Bible tells us in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world. He so agape us. No strings attached. Nothing you can do about it. That he sent his only son, the faithful, true witness into the world, to die on a cross. That whosoever would believe in him. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. Now you're starting to preach my messages. Verse 6, the last. He has now made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve God the Father Almighty. That's kind of the so what. So what? Well, God has invited you in. This is about him. It's all about him. But the truth is, he's included us in his kingdom. He has called us not slaves, but he's called us his friends, his brothers and sisters. And once we come to Christ, we step into the family of God. Look, a lot of people say we're all God's children. Well, yeah, but we, God made us. But the reality is, the true children of God are those who have received him. Many people who have been God have created, it says, I don't like you, I want nothing to do with you, I'm never going to follow you. And God goes, well, I love you anyway, but go do what you're going to do. You know, you're, you're a grown man, so you've got to make up your own mind. And, but, but God's love will never fail us. It will always be there. It's always there. And because of that, he's decided to include us in the kingdom work. And he's deemed you to be a minister of the gospel wherever you go. So it's like, okay, you go. And wherever you go, you be Jesus. Don't let them take Merry Christmas from you. If they say Happy Holidays, say, well, Merry, you know what I like to do? If I feel like someone's taking, a, taking me down, I go, Merry Christmas. Just rub it in their nose. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Hey, you think I'm kidding? I'd I do that. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Don't underestimate the value that God has placed in you to be a 
instrument in the kingdom of God to do his work, his will, and his way every day. That's what thy kingdom come, thy will be done means. Look at that. It's 1201 and I see that little round black red thing back there. Didn't do too bad today, did we? Now, Lord, may he keep you. May he bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he bring you peace today. Peace. The peace that passes all understanding that deep, settled peace in your soul that only he can give. Lord, we give you all praise and honor and glory today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I love you, church. Have a great day. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.